Well, let's do it for one last time then. Well, not one last time forever, but just this year. Hello and welcome to the AJ on the Line podcast for the final time this year. This is your 2021 F1 season review in which we will discuss one of the greatest title battles in F1 history, maybe in sporting history. We might debate that later. The best moments and the best drivers from the last year our thoughts for the future in 2022 and much much more my name is adam and i am your host but i'm not alone on this i've not been alone all year and i've been lucky to have jimmy and joe our friends and our f1 analysts um in no particular order (laughs) um how are you both doing have you recovered after last week and how are you doing without f1 uh, to be honest, uh, yeah, very well, thank you. Uh, I'm coping with F1 uh, by watching races of the 2021 season again. Today I watched uh, America again, USA. Uh, Good race. I, yeah, I don't know how Lewis lost, to be honest. Anyway, uh, but yeah, very well, thank you. That's the upshot of that question. So are you coping well without F1 or, or have not you really. not? <laughs> you no. just not got rid of it? No, I just keep watching it. <laughs> Joe, how about you? Uh, I just get angry at other people's tweets about the final race still. But there we go. Um, Twitter is a minefield full of, full of people that, that don't agree with us. Or agree with us, and that's kind of boring. So you don't interact with that. Well, I don't interact with anyone. I just read things and silently get angry. <laughs> Boil up. No, yep. that, that's good, though. It, it, it shows that no one's really getting over this season. And why would you? It was one of the best ever. Was it the best ever F1 season that you've watched? That I've watched, yeah. I mean, I can't really I can't really give you a great review of the 1968 F1 season. It could have been a lot better, <laughs> could have been a lot worse, I don't really know. Um, but certainly since 2007, when I've started watching, it's definitely been the best one. Are you in agreement there, Jimmy? I'd argue uh, 2008 was a pretty good one as well. Uh, it was up there. Maybe not got the rivalry between the two drivers, but in terms of drama, as what happened, it was up there. Yeah, but the races themselves weren't that great. Oh, there were there were some good ones though. There were, but this this year, everyone. Yeah, and it, it, it's hard to think of a year where every single F one race has been good, and and a lot of new people have started watching F one this season, and. I'm kind of concerned that they're they're going to think that this is kind of normality, unless it is normality, and we're just not used to the great races every single time. Of course, you'd have, like, I'd say seven or eight races where you look back and think, cool, that was a good one. But that was part of the past of, of, of watching Formula One, wasn't it? That sometimes you had to go through a ball fest in Spain or something like that. No offence to Spain, because that was a good one this season. Right, we've got some talking to do because we're here to review the F1 season. Now, this wasn't on the list of things that I sent you, but it's traditional in this podcast that I ask you to give a rating. So, let's begin with you, Jimmy. What are you rating this F1 season out of 10? Seven and a half. 
Um. <laughs> <laughs> what? You go way too high. Oh yeah, and on the final rating, you go miles too low. I'm being quite, you know, even keel on this one. I don't need over egg the pudding, and I don't under egg it. So I think that that's perfect. Way um, too low. Hold yeah. on, didn't no, you say that this was other than 2008, maybe the best season that you've ever watched? It was, yeah. Uh, and uh, 2008 got a, a, a 8.5 from me, so it, it sort of tallies quite nicely. Um, so. <laughs> but you, you sit you, every week, you come on and rate every race eight or nine out of ten, and then somehow the final season gets seven and a half. Well, yeah, I mean, I haven't taken. I might need to go back through all the podcasts and do an average of my ten <laughs> out of ten to get a, a, a definitive answer. But I think seven point five. Um, Actually, let's go with eight. Let's round that up. I'm feeling generous. Eight out of ten. The Christmas spirit is around you, Jimmy, now. It is, indeed. <laughs> Brilliant. We'll move on to Joe, who, who's usually a harsh marker, but we'll see. Nine. It would it would have got nine and a half had the final race been won by either driver in a more... Well, well, a less controversial way, shall we say. Uh, but yeah, I, I'm going nine overall because it was an amazing season with loads of amazing races. End just feels a little bit sour. But there we go. For more on that controversy, go to our last podcast. Yeah, yeah, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna try and avoid that one as much as, uh, as much as possible this time because, because we're focusing on the whole year. I don't think I'm gonna bring it up. And so we should because it was a brilliant season. Yeah, exactly. The The season deserves to be spoken about as a whole. I sense, though, that the first awards, shall we say, is going to be the most contentious one between us. Mm. Yeah, I'd say. We're going to be looking at our top five drivers of the 2021 season. Okay? Now, it must be said, Jimmy and Joe already know what I've chosen. So I'm sure I'm sure they've got something to say. But we'll begin with the driver that we had in fifth position. Do you want, or should I say mine first and then we'll go off Yeah, that. go on. You start, you start. I chose Esteban Ocon. And the reason for that was because he had Fernando Alonso as a teammate. He didn't get dominated. He held his own. He won a race and he was fairly good considering his car wasn't that consistent. I was really impressed with the way that he drove all year. And I've got to say, it was a really tough decision, that fifth spot. But I felt that he merited it a little bit more based on what I've said. Although we'll we'll move on. We'll, we'll talk about who we've missed out in a little bit. Do you have any comments on Esteban Ocon before you tell me what yours are? I think he had a very good season, but I wouldn't put him that high. I think there's seven or eight drivers that had a better season than him so seven or eight yeah yeah i do i think that's a good shout to be fair it's his first race win um but i don't agree with it well it shows it shows how much i know uh joe who have you got down and who are your seven and eight drivers all right so so i mean it would kind of give away a little bit who my top four are okay okay but no it's fine it's fine 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 so pierre gasly i'd have in fifth great season he had uh i have i think he had a fantastic season didn't he qualify 16th like 18 times or something ridiculous like that 
Or sixth, 18 times. Yeah, I was going to say 16th would not have been that good. Yeah, exactly, yeah. No, I think uh, I think he did it a ridiculous amount of times that he got... It, like, it was all, like... His car wasn't as fast as the Ferrari or McLaren, and yet he was right up there, particularly in qualifying with those guys. Um, so I think it was a fantastic season from him. Um, better than Esteban Ocon, I'd have to say I think Alonso over the season was better than Ocon, even though Ocon did get the race win. It's Fernando Alonso. What were you expecting? But yeah, he, and I th- he yeah, didn't get just because you expect him to be better, then I. Like it doesn't change the fact that he was better, and then I so I think Alonso was better. Um, also, not in my top five. Charles Leclerc, I think, was better than Esteban Ocon. Um, and I was going to talk more about him later. I think, yeah, I was. Um, so yeah, I think he was better. Well, Charles, Charles Leclerc and Esteban Ocon had the same amount of podiums this season. Yeah, but I think. I mean, look, I'll get more into why Charles Leclerc just missed out on my top five later, but. I think he was better than Esteban Ocon. So, yeah. So, that takes us to seven. Um, and if you want to say eight, George Russell as well. Good shout. So, I yeah. think I think those three were also better than Esteban Ocon. So, that is why I don't even think he makes my top eight. Well, there there you are. I've been picked apart. Who, who did you have as P5 then? Pierre Gasly. Pierre Gasly. Cool. Yeah. Okay, so, just to yeah, confirm think... that. And he he had a great season as well, as we were talking about. Obviously, he didn't get the win, but he really is leading that team. And as we've said many on many occasions, it seems too easy for him, doesn't it? Yeah, he, he definitely deserves a top drive, whether he'll end up getting it just with the sort of spaces available and team politics remains to be seen. But there we go. Jimmy, who was, who was number five for you? My number five is uh, Carlos Sainz. Um, moving to uh, Ferrari from McLaren. Had quite a shaky start, but I think he's come through very well. He got second in Monaco. Um, and yeah, very solid season. Finished best of the rest in terms of the uh, Drivers' Championship uh, and also uh, Constructors with Ferrari finishing third. Um, so yeah, very solid uh season for him absolutely that he, he finished fifth in the championship so he's fifth there is that is that your thinking yeah exactly yeah anyway I'll, I'll go for my fourth place finisher and that was that was lando norris now i even though i can't see him right now i can see that jimmy is angry <laughs> there we are um and i know that lando norris had a brilliant season his best ever in f1 of the three and he really did come of age. His first half of the season was enough for him to be top three, but he really fell off since he missed out on that race win in Russia. And I felt that the person that I did have in third was much more consistent throughout the season. And he scored one more podium than than him. So that is my reasoning. And that, that person, I might as well say, is Carlos Sainz who I think had an incredible season. I, I know I bang on about Charles Leclerc being the second best driver on the grid, but Carlos Sainz beat him over a season, which I didn't really see coming until he just <laughs> strolls in last minute. Like No one expects Carlos Sainz to get a podium, and I, al- I always feel like when he does get a podium, it's not celebrated because something bigger has happened in the race. Mm-hmm. So 
Yeah. Not that that, that should impact where he is in the standings. Um, I suppose I've given my, my fourth and third. Do you want to do your two, Joe? Because I think we both, we, we're pretty set on who our top two are. Um, I've actually agreed with you. So there we go. I've had Lando Norris in fourth and Carlos Sainz in third. Um, I think, as you say, Lando's first half of the season was fantastic. Um, and he got some well-deserved podiums, some well-deserved praise from everyone. Um, really solid performance from him. Um, but he did tail off towards the end. And as you rightly say, Carlos Sainz was more um, consistent throughout the season. And also, I think it was probably more unexpected. I think people were mixed on his reaction to going to Ferrari. And yet, he does a fan, he, you know, he performs brilliantly throughout the year. So consistently gets the points on the board, exactly what they wanted him to do. And so just really, really impressive. And I think he's pushed himself up into that category of drivers along with uh, Verstappen, Leclerc, Russell and Norris like of, as potential world champions in the future. Yeah, and you never consider Carlos Sainz really as, as part of the next generation just because he's a couple of years older than them. But mm-hmm. he is still quick on his day and shows a, a really mature way of going racing as well so it would be interesting if ferrari are in the fight and i'm sure we'll talk about this whether carlos Sainz being mr consistent might give him a title run if ferrari are in in the mix um i would really want to see that uh that that would be really cool uh jimmy who were your third and fourth positions? So my um, fourth position is Charles Leclerc, um, simply because he probably would would have won uh, in Monaco uh, if it wasn't for his uh, mechanical issue. Uh, and then he would have probably finished best of the rest. Um, however, he didn't. Um, so, so yeah, um, pretty solid race. I think he had a bit of uh, bad luck, as I, I suggested. Um but my third place is Lando Norris. Um, he's come of age this season, I think. Um, he's had a couple of uh, unlucky um, race results in the sort of the last quarter of the season, uh, especially in the triple header. Uh, he probably would have finished fifth with um, in Qatar, um, and also probably would have finished about fifth or sixth in Brazil if he hadn't had that puncture. Um, so he's had a, an amazing season, um, and yeah. He's, uh, if he has a good car underneath him next year, I'm sure he'll win a race, um, which didn't happen this year because obviously in Russia didn't do very well. Uh, and he, uh, the rain came in. He did uh, very, very well. Unlucky. He did very well, but he was just very unlucky. Mm. Um, but I'm sure it will come uh, in the next couple of seasons. Most definitely. So, yeah. I, I do feel a bit bad marking uh, Lando Norris down for a little bit of bad luck, but Carlos Sainz. Mr. Consistent kept going in there. So that that's why we went that way. Next is what, what we're, I think we're all agreed on who are in our top two. Um, it's just a question of which order you put them. For me, I, I think what we'll do is we'll, we'll go around and, and say what we did and why. Okay, so for me, mm-hmm. I put Lewis Hamilton as number one, Max Verstappen as number two. It was really close. They both were in a league of their own. Let's not forget that. So there's not really any doubting those two. Max Verstappen had an incredible season uh, and was either second or first 18 times, which is 
record-breaking. It's staggering and it's an incredible level of consistency that you've got to give him credit for. However, I think that his driving standards and his inability to back out of some incidents where he could score higher are where Lewis Hamilton and his experience and his clever way of driving as a as a racing driver that's where they're they're apart still and Hamilton has shown himself to be able to get to that higher level Um, I think he was driving better than he ever has even though he made a couple of big mistakes in Baku and in Imola I think he was still at top level You, you look at drives like Brazil I think other than Qatar he really had to fight for every single win that he got this season Um, And that was because, in general, the Mercedes was minimally uh, at a deficit to the Rebel as a package over the season. I I know that the engine was fairly good in the last few races, but still, um, I think he really did make the difference. And that's why I've got Lewis Hamilton as my number one still. But it was very, very close. Joe? I... I suspect in contradiction to both you and Jimmy, I'm going to put Max Verstappen in first with Lewis Hamilton second. Thought you might. Look, I think that the, the, the separation for me is I, I don't think that Max Verstappen had a single bad weekend. I don't think there was a single one. You, you, I mean, he finished top two 18 times, crashed in Silverstone, Hungary and Italy and Baku as well. So... Yeah, they're, 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 and that's all the races. I don't think he had a single bad weekend. You could argue he should have backed out in Silverstone, but that incident is more Lewis's fault. The only one that you can really properly, truly blame him for is Italy, I'd say. And Saudi Arabia. Yeah. Yeah, but that, that wasn't... He still finished second that race, and he likely would have finished second regardless of what happened, and Lewis would have finished first regardless of what happened, I think. So... I don't really... Whereas Lewis did have a couple of bad weekends. You think of Monaco and Turkey as well. I don't think he was particularly, you know, even with the whole tyre thing. And the Austrian races uh, Yeah. Uh, I do think that one, the Austrian races were more to do with car advantage. But, yeah, Lewis had a few bad weekends, um, whereas Max was unbelievable in every single weekend. Don't get me wrong, like... They're both so far ahead of everyone else and both so close together that it really could go either way. Um, But yeah, I'm going to go Max. I think he deserved the championship overall over the course of the season. Uh, Whether he actually should have won it, well, we can debate that one till the cows come home. But yeah, I think overall, over the course of the season, both would have been worthy champions. But Max just very, very, very slightly edges it for me. Very good. compelling arguments it's very close either way as we've said jimmy i think we know what you're going for but tell us why i'm going to go with you again adam so uh lewis first and max Verstappen second um simply because i think that max has shown himself up to a certain extent this season um people have questioned his driving ability not his driving ability but he's I'd probably say racecraft, to be honest. The way he conducts himself in a uh, one-on-one battle. I'm thinking uh, 
the second to last corner in China in 2018, where he took Seb out with a very silly lunge. Uh, 2016, uh, with Raikkonen on the Kemmel Strait, nearly crashing into him. So that, that they are examples of previous incidents uh, that Verstappen has had um, with other drivers. Um, and he's, I don't think he's learnt that much. Uh, you said before that Hamilton has backed out of sort of 50-50, sort of Spain and in Imola. Um, and it shows that he's got a level of maturity, Hamilton. And, you know, he's a seven-time world champion, sure he should do. But Verstappen's been around for six seasons and I think he should know better. Um, and, yeah, I think Lewis has conducted himself in an admirable way, even when he lost in the circumstances he did in uh, Abu Dhabi. He was very sort of uh, very humble um, and very polite towards Max. Um, and yeah, that's why I think that he's first and Verstappen second. Effectively, Max is a faster driver, but Hamilton is a better driver. That's that's the way I look at it. Would yeah. you agree with that? Yeah, over one, on, over one lap in the same car, I think Verstappen would take it. And also, Max's aggression is 100% all of the time, which sometimes looks incredible. And other times, it, it gets silly in that he uses his car as a weapon, almost. Yeah, Brazil, for instance. And that, that happened when Senna came in. They, they had to rewrite the rules for him and for Schumacher. And I guess it's a similar thing here in that they're going to have to go away and rewrite the rules in, in many areas, uh, the FIA, that is. So, we've got our top fives there. Let us know what your top fives are. Uh, come on to the AJ on the Line website, comment, tell us what you think and why you think we're wrong, because we probably are uh, in, your, in some of your opinions. But that is what we love about sport. Everyone's got an opinion like they have a nose. And we will move on to our honourable mention. Um, so we're going to talk. We'll just give the driver's name that we're going to say, yeah, really sorry, but you sh could have been in this top five, but there wasn't enough room. I'm going to go for George Russell. He had a stellar season, outperforming that Williams. Uh, you, you think about P2 in Belgium, in the wet, qualifying, incredible. He also... Uh, and in the race, of course, if you could call that a race. Uh, he also, didn't he finish P2 or P3 in the Russian qualifying? P3 in the Russian qualifying, yeah. And then he also had another few point scoring finishes, such as in Turkey, in Hungary. So you got to give it to him. He's outperformed it and he deserves that Mercedes seat next season. Um, it's, it's a tough one because I also wanted to talk about the likes of Charles Leclerc and Pierre Gassi, but there's never enough room, and we've spoken about them. Jimmy, we'll go with you. Who's your honourable mention going to be? My honourable mention is going to be uh, Esteban Ocon uh, for that win in Hungary. Um, it was a brilliant race, and yes, you know, Alonso helped him out a lot. Um, but yeah, to, to sort of, he probably led for the vast majority of that race, didn't he? Because he did. That, yeah, so lap two, Hamilton pitted, and he was first. And yeah, he drove a, a very mature race and uh, and fully deserves the win. Nice. Joe, who's getting your honourable mention? Uh, Charles Leclerc. I think with better luck, he actually could have ended up third on that list. I think he could, you know, he, um, I think he definitely had a higher peak than Carlos Sainz. 
and a lot of Charlotte Claire's inconsistency is down to sort of bad luck. Um, you know, some of it obviously is his own mistakes. You know, Monaco getting pole and then hitting the wall is bad mistake. Um, but you know, you look in a different universe. Charlotte Claire could have won that Monaco Grand Prix, finished fifth in the constructors and we'd be talking about him as the third best driver of the season really not the constructors the drivers championship if he'd finished in the constructors championship fifth that would be very impressive um but yeah i think he had a stellar season and with better luck he would have finished ahead of the drivers around him can can you remember uh in the final for the euros uh Cialini, the the Italian defender that was dragging the England players back, and uh, everyone hated him. But I looked at him, and I I thought I, I I got no reason to at all, but I really like him. Like there's yeah. something about him I rate it, and I, I I can't put my finger on it. And that's the same way I feel about Charles Leclerc. There's I can't really yeah. think about what it is. Is is things like getting pole in Monaco and then crashing? <laughs> he just looks like a bit of a bozo for doing it, but I love it. I love it. <laughs> and if he sorts himself out, he will be on Verstappen's level, if not above. I do truly believe that. But yeah, good shout, Joe. Good shout. We'll move on. Our next award in this festive uh, Formula One season review is. The Greatest Race of 2021. We'll begin with you, Jimmy. Uh, my Greatest Race of 2021 was the Mons GP and the McLaren 1-2. Um, it's the first time in, I think, eight or nine years that they've won a race. And to think that, as well, it is the only 1-2 of a team this season. It's quite phenomenal, considering we've got Red Bull and Mercedes wow. in this in this season. So... And, and with such dominant cars as well. I mean, for the vast majority of races, sort of Mercedes and Red Bull were so f- far ahead of everybody else. But in Monza, um, like last year, um, it was uh, Science who got a um, a podium, finishing second. Uh, and it's great to see McLaren back on the top step of the podium, or the top two steps of the podium. Indeed. And good to see Daniel Ricciardo in probably his his highest peak of the season in what has been a tough year driving a McLaren that's not easy to drive yeah Joe Mm -hmm. what was your favorite race yeah I'd go for Brazil um I thought it was a fantastic race seeing Lewis come through the field and just a, a really really good battle for both second place and the lead um it was really tense um, seeing Lewis sort of follow Verstappen for such a long time, launch an attack, some questionable defending, kind of a bit of drama with the rules, which I'm not a big fan of. I, I always prefer clean racing. Um, but then Lewis did manage to get it done cleanly, set Verstappen up um, down the centre S's and passed him cleanly um, with about 10 laps to go. Um, unbelievable performance, fantastic race, full of tension and a great fight for the lead. I was very, very tempted to go for France, which was a very surprising one, given its reputation. Um, but yeah, I think Brazil edges it for me. The atmosphere, too, in Brazil was incredible. Yeah, that, that helped make it just 
very you know sporting events with a good atmosphere are great i mean the you know you could say the race in zanville wasn't particularly exciting but the but the crowd really made it sort of a, a much more special spectacle and Definitely. i think that that also adds to brazil here and you really you really felt the fans this season didn't you after nothing last year yeah definitely and yeah I, do you do you feel like sometimes I, I know you go to watch the football quite a bit do you feel like sometimes when the crowd have been in really good form even if the team haven't been like you, you remember those matches a little bit more yeah definitely for sure um I think it, it's always it's always the best when when something goes against you and you know the whole the whole crowd sort of really angry about it and it just really re- and then your team sort of comes overcomes that and scores and you celebrate celebrating the goal in that circumstance is always the best so yeah i think the crowd really has a big impact on how exciting a sporting event can be especially when adversity is overcome which is what lewis hamilton did in that brazilian grand prix absolutely my favorite race was the hungarian grand prix um i re- personally i remember i was i was in quarantine i couldn't i couldn't see anyone because i'd been in contact with someone that had coronavirus remember that when you would get pinged yeah. did either of you get pinged i don't think you did did you no not that day i got pinged three times but one of the times there was a hungarian grand prix on and i didn't sit down the whole race I was stood up watching it because there was drama going off everywhere, wasn't there? Because there was that little bit of a wet start. Uh, Bottas playing bowling, knocking a few people out. Ocon leading Seb second. Hamilton fighting back through the pack after something that I'll tell you in a minute. What a race. What a race. And if you want to hear more on that, go and listen to the Hungarian Grand Prix review. I'm sure it was good because we were there. Um, We'll move on to the craziest moment. And I'll tell you what happened to Hamilton in the Hungarian Grand Prix. First of all, he was the only one on the grid because everyone else pitted for dry tyres while he was still on wet tyres. And I'll never forget that moment of him starting on the grid, the only car on there. It wasn't good for his race, but it was. it's, it's something that you'll look back on and it, it created a great meme. So, yeah. That is my craziest moment of this year, of which there have been many. Joe, give us yours. Uh, that whole Saudi Arabian Grand Prix episode with uh, culminating in uh, Lewis going into the back of Max Verstappen after a brake check. Um, it was just the most sort of chaotic and crazy scenes. Uh, cars swapping around the order at restarts. I had no idea what was going on because I was forced to watch it without volume. But even if I had been able to watch it with volume, I think it would be uh, the cra- like one you of the craziest moments. You still wouldn't have moments. known what was going on. Yeah, it was absolute chaos um, <laughs> and certainly qualifies for the craziest moment of the season. A fine shout. Speaking of fine things, Jimmy, what was your craziest moment? My craziest moment would be the collision at Silverstone between Max and Lewis. Um, I think that's a real turning point in the season. Before that, it was very cordial, not cordial, but Hamilton got out of the way the majority of the times and prevented a collision from happening. And it's the first time where they both collided because neither of them yielded. Um, and I think that set up a amazing second half of the season um, on and off the track. I mean, 
I don't know about you guys, but I haven't seen two team principals get so hacked off with one another throughout the season. You love the drama, don't you, Jimmy? You love it. I do, yeah. Christian Horner and Toto Wolf. Winter Spice and Toti Coyote. Exactly, yeah. My favourite moment was when uh, Toto was doing a interview uh, to Sky and he says, uh, Christian Horner's just a windbag who likes the cameras. Um, and no punches were being, you know, uh, it was holding no punches back, I think that's the phrase, isn't it? Something along those lines. I thought that was fantastic. Um, but yeah, it was the Silverstone collision. Nothing was the same after that moment. And yeah, as Joe referred to earlier, it was mostly Hamilton's fault, but I think he had to do it, didn't he? He had to send a message. So he wasn't going to be bullied anymore. Mm. And that's where people got a little bit hacked off, as Jimmy said. I don't need to repeat yeah. what you said. Race bands and, you know, uh, and all that sort of stuff. Uh, I wonder who said that. It was Helmut Marco, wasn't it? Yes, right. We've got a tough one to go for now because we've got to say who, or who and when the best performance was this year, this season. There were so many incredible ones. We'll begin with you, Jimmy. Performance of the season has to be Lewis at Brazil. Um, it was an amazing uh, comeback. To, although he, what helped him a lot was it was a sprint race. So he gained, I think, 10 places back with the penalty um, in the sprint race. Um, and then he, he went on and won the race. And it was just incredible to think that he managed to win at such a pivotal time in the championship as well. If he lost... At, Brazil, I don't think he would have had the momentum going forward. And going into Abu Dhabi, them finishing level, it's just, it was incredible. Um, and if it wasn't for Brazil, um, I don't think he he would have got anywhere near. I don't, definitely don't think it would have been level at um, Abu Dhabi, for sure. I remember I was on the phone to Joe and he explained to me what had happened. And it, it was the Saturday morning, I think. Mm -hmm. on Friday night something like that and I was saying well that's it season over it's been a good one up until this point how little I knew uh but yeah incredible and just a question do you reckon that Hamilton would have won that race if it wasn't a sprint weekend uh probably not I think it would have I think he would have finished second I think he uh, it just it took him a bit too long to get past Verstappen didn't it um, for him to do it at a normal race length. Um, but I certainly think he would have finished second. Fair. Yeah, I agree. Uh, Joe, who who's going to get your Performance of the Season award? I'm going to roll it back all the way to the first race of the season and go for Lewis Hamilton in Bahrain. Um, I think that sort of performance goes under the radar, but um, I think it was one of the clearest car advantages in Red Bull's favour at that Bahrain weekend, I think only Austria, Zanvo and then Mercedes at Brazil come like come close to that in terms of how big the car gap was. Um, but And Lewis was on the worst strategy, but he made those tyres last. He forced Verstappen into a mistake, overtaking him around the, off the track, um, and Verstappen couldn't recover from that. And I think making those tyres last in the way that he did um, with Verstappen really attacking him from behind was an absolutely fantastic drive and 
the best one of the season. Um, I would possibly, again, have been tempted to give it to Lewis's one in France, but he just fell a lap short in that one. Um, again, in the exact same way, he made those tyres last when you couldn't see how he was doing it. Um, so, yeah, I think it was a brilliant performance. Great shout, and absolutely, you forget about Bahrain. Joe didn't clearly, but I yeah. I'd almost forgotten about Bahrain, but how how much of a performance that was. So we've had two for Lewis. I'll, I'll keep things interesting because we're not um, a podcast that favours one driver over the other. We certainly have one person that. Does. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm I'm going to go for Fernando Alonso in Hungary defending Lewis Hamilton. For how long was it? 15 laps? Something like that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, amazing defence. Um, incredible. Well, yeah, because he, Lewis Hamilton had been scything his way through the field in that race. And then he comes up to Fernando Alonso, who's, who's putting his cars in all the right parts of the track to make it difficult. They were touching at one point, And it was just two great races going wheel to wheel and that's what racing should all be about shouldn't be about crashing shouldn't be about pushing people off the track should be about that sort of close contact but still leaving racing room but room that you don't really want to go in because you know that it's not going to go well and it was great defending and it also gave Esteban Ocon his win because if Fernando Alonso hadn't put up such a great wall of defense then Alpine wouldn't have got their win with Esteban Ocon. So it was a great team effort there, I've got to say. Um, But, of course, there were many great performances um, and we want to hear yours. Could I add another um, performance that was up there? And that was Perez in Abu Dhabi. Yes, I Um, was thinking that, actually. Yeah, great shout, Jimmy. Yeah, and, and that is... Uh, the perfect example of fair racing, hard but fair racing. Hamilton and Perez gave each other room um, and it was very clean uh, and it was just brilliant skill from both of them. Uh, Obviously, um, Lewis got past him, uh, but yeah, incredible. And that did give him the championship for Stappen because if Hamilton had pulled out an 18-second lead, which it probably would have been, sort of uh, 16 to 18 seconds anyway, uh, he would have been able to pit for fresh tyres and still be ahead of Verstappen in the safety car period at the end. Um, so, yeah, I think he definitely, uh, and that uh, performance is definitely up there. We need to cap off this 2021 season before we look ahead to 2022. Can we summarise the last season in three words? Dramatic, close. Uh... Controversial. Yeah, yeah, I'd say that... I don't. I don't want to like put down the whole season because of the end in there. Yeah, because but, if you were going to do that, you would just say next goal wins. Ooh, <laughs> I've I've got a good one. Controversial till end. How about that? Was it controversial at the start? I suppose them uh, telling Verstappen to give it back. Yeah, that was quite controversial. I would say on the edge. Good. Very good shout, yeah. I think you've had a bit more time to prepare for it, to be honest. But I'll, I'll let you. Well, I'll only let a few it. more seconds. I've only just thought of this award. Oh, fair play, fair play. Uh, not that it's an award. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you're right. As a as a unit, we've come up with some good ones, but 
we've got to move on as as we always have to in life uh to the 2022 formula one season which begins next year what was your sensible prediction for next year jimmy uh, a mercedes constructors world champion again nine in a row yeah oh that how many how many different rule changes would that be over Obviously, Three. each year is a rule change, but there's 14 mm-hmm. was major, 2017 was major. I suppose 2021 was major. Oh, I'm not. I'm not sure. I think. I think it was only really 17. 17 was clearly much bigger. Yeah. Yeah, and 2022 because of the obviously new type of cars. Mm-hmm. Yeah, incredible. So that's what you've gone for, Jimmy. What about you, Joe? No obvious backmarker team. And I really hope that that is true. But it doesn't sound like we've got any teams in major financial issues. The cost caps come in. So I'm hoping that every team will be at least at least where Williams and Alfa Romeo were this season. If not, you know, sort of a bit better than that. So that every team can compete for points and maybe, you know, we don't just have the same drivers going out in Q1 every time. It would be nice to have a bit more jeopardy, wouldn't it? Yes, definitely. Now, my sensible prediction is that Ferrari are going to be in the championship fight. That could be in the constructors or the drivers. But I also hope that too, because Formula 1 needs Ferrari at the front. Mm-hmm. Big rule changes. They've got they've got loads of money. I know that there's a cost cap there, but as they were never going to be in a title fight this season, I would imagine that Ferrari have put a lot of resources into next season. I also think that they've got the best driver pairing. Oh, do they? Because now George Russell's joined Lewis Hamilton and Mercedes. We'll find out next season. If it's Mercedes versus Ferrari, that would be pretty incredible. Um, but yeah, we'll see. Let's move on, though, to our bold prediction for next season. Joe, we'll go with you. I'm going to go for, we're going to um, have nine or more winners. Now, that I, I've went for nine because it's um, eight was the amount of winners we got in 2012, and I'd like to see that beaten. 2012 was a particularly crazy season. Um, and I know it's a bold prediction because nine winners is a lot, but I think it's one that's possibly based in reality because I think we'll have three properly quick teams in Mercedes, Red Bull and Ferrari. Um, so that's six winners, assuming they all win one. Um, and then I think, you know, you could get at least two sort of maybe McLaren and Alpine, um, who might nick, nick you know, they, they might sneak one. So I think, you know, it's a bold prediction because nine is a lot of winners, but it's one that I really want to see. And I think it's, you know, just about doable if the new regulations work as intended. That's that's really nice, actually. I like that. I have predicted that Carlos Sainz is going to win more Grand Prix than Max Verstappen next year. And I know that's bold, given that I'm betting against the world champion. But if Ferrari are in the hunt, as I think and hope that they will do, and Carlos Sainz is as consistent as he is, maybe, he'll, maybe he won't win that many races. He'll just, he'll just do... Was it was it Keki Rosberg that won the world championship without winning any races? He won one race. There you are. In, Maybe that's what yeah. Carlos Sainz will do. Mm-hmm. I can see well, him of all people yeah. doing that. I mean, it goes on to what I said um, 
last week in the tweet that I saw that if Max Verstappen and Charles Leclerc end up in a title fight, somebody else will win it because they may well end up taking each other out. And Carlos Sainz is very well placed to take advantage of a situation like that. Do you think? Do you think that Mercedes will have an issue in terms of managing Hamilton and Russell? No, I don't think so. Uh, I don't know. I I can see. I don't think so. But it's hard to tell because obviously, you know, George is a good guy, but he's going to want to prove himself. Um, He can't, you know, roll over for Lewis. And, you know, we don't fully know how quick George is, but we know he's very, very quick. Russell needs to bide his time, I think. You know, Hamilton's got a two-year contract. Who knows what's going to happen to him after that? If he's a solid number two driver and plays the team game, I think it will do him... Uh, wonders because people at Mercedes will respect him and want him to do well then when Hamilton eventually retires he'll be in prime position in hopefully a championship winning car to to take over Hamilton and start to win championships do you not do you not think that's exactly what people would have suggested to a young Lewis Hamilton though oh you're coming into a, a McLaren you're a rookie you're up against an experienced world champion just play the support role for a little bit and then we'll respect you and then yeah it's a very good point but I think the difference is Russell's got immense um, immense respect for Hamilton you can see that from him meeting him when he was eight years old and him saying that Hamilton was the best driver ever I think he said at some point or definitely the best driver on the grid um, why would you not play up the driver that you're about to go head to head with because if you lose to him you've already said he's the best driver ever if you beat him you're effectively saying you've beaten the best driver ever it's it's a win-win situation isn't it it is yeah yeah definitely so we'll have to see i mean we will but what can you see in your bold prediction jimmy my bold prediction is that McLaren will win three or more races next season. How many go into each driver, or is one driver going to take all three? Two, one to Norris. There you go, on penalties. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, two, one to Norris, I'll go with that. Very good. Where do you think Norris is most likely to take his first win, or can you not really see that much clarity? Oh, I'm, I might have to get my crystal ball out for that. Um, however... <laughs> Uh, let's go for uh, Paul Ricard because they were strong there last season and uh, they had very good tyre degradation rates and Ferrari were terrible so let's go with that Okay, nice Um, I know that we've got one more award but I'm just going to throw another one in because I'm interested Okay, and I know that you two are good at, at thinking on your feet I'll go first What's your biggest hope for next season? Uh, mine is that Lewis Hamilton races next season. Yeah. Um, Good shot. Because we still haven't heard from him and I'm kind of getting worried now. <laughs> yeah, he's been very quiet on social media. He's got no obligation to go on social media, of course, and he's hurting a lot, but it worries me. Um, <laughs> what about you, Joe? Um, Just that it's sort of a continuation of this season and that every race is pretty exciting. You know, I don't think we've, we really had a single race, uh, well, Monaco, other than Monaco. I think every race had a talking point, something that was interesting. It was at least a five out of 10, pretty much every race. Um, so I hope we continue in that regard. Yeah. Good shout. And Jimmy, your biggest hope for next season? 
that race strategies are a bit bit more punchy because a lot of the times during this season uh, they've prioritised track position over changing tyres because it's a lot. It's quite difficult to overtake. So my prediction or my hope is that there will be a lot more um, overtaking and a bit a bit more exciting. I know twenty twenty one's been an exciting season, but a bit more excitement with more teams up there challenging for the win. I think a lot of teams did gamble on strategy this year, though. You have Max in Bahrain that almost worked. Then you had Lewis in Spain that did work. Max in France that did work. Uh, Lewis in the USA, nearly you worked. Joe, you said a lot of people did, but it's just two drivers, and that's because they're half a minute ahead of everyone else. So what's the worst that'll happen? They'll finish second. They could afford to put into that gap. True, true. I'm True. talking. I'm talking like Ricardo going onto the mediums instead of going out on the inters in Hungary for the formation lap. That's what I'm talking. Punchy strategy wise, that would be uh, yeah, that sort of thing. I know exactly what you mean, Jimmy. Um, we'll stick with you though. What are you looking forward to most next season? I am most excited about the regulation change to spice up the grid. Um, and I'm not saying, you know, have a dominant team and I want a different dominant team. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is I want um, closer racing with what I'm hoping for is the return of the 90s. That would be immense. You know, we've got some cracking drivers on the grid. Hamilton, Verstappen, Norris, Sainz, Leclerc, Ricardo, And I'm just hoping it's got all the ingredients for an epic sort of decade of racing with a new guard coming in and spicing it up a bit. Good shout, uh, Joe. Uh, I, I agreed with Jimmy. I think the new regulations are the thing to be excited for. Um, if they work, we'll get um, easier overtaking. Apparently, how true that will be, I don't know. But if the cars can follow each other, that will be huge um, for the racing. And we may get the added bonus of the teams getting closer together on the grid as well, which is very exciting with the cost cap and all that um whether it'll work in the first year because you know often in the first year of new regulations you do end up with one team nailing it and sailing off with the with the championship hope that doesn't happen but in the long run i hope we get uh a lot closer racing and this and that next season is going to be the first step towards that yeah absolutely and I guess that is a reason for you out there that uh, may be wondering why why you should bother watching F1 after the last race. That is certainly a reason that you should come back and watch it next season because it still could get even closer between more teams. Even though it's always good to talk about two drivers going head-to-head, it's good to have loads and loads all in the fight. Not not two Formula E levels where you don't actually know who's in, <laughs> in contention. <laughs> Because that that got a bit silly, but maybe having like five, four drivers in there, that would be really Mm -hmm. interesting. And that is what I'm really looking forward to next season. I'm looking forward to seeing Mercedes versus Ferrari versus Red Bull. And then those intra-team battles, Hamilton versus Russell, and then Leclerc versus Sainz, and then Max Verstappen versus, well, whatever... um, uh, he doesn't really have anything he's up against other than the other teams. Maybe the FIA. Oh, yeah. Hopefully they, they sort themselves out for next season too. And 
Mercedes are putting pressure on and you'd hope you'd hope that they make changes wouldn't you definitely okay then um i guess that's us finished then for 2021 uh i i just really want to say thank you again to joe and jimmy we were talking before this podcast about how much fun it's been to talk to all of you and talk to each other about what's going on in a sport that we all love so much so thank you both of you again uh, what was your favourite moment of, of doing this podcast this year, Jimmy? Uh, getting better at it, I think. Uh, uh, being more a bit more coherent, I would say. Because at the start, I don't think I was too coherent. But I think now I've got it down to a T. Or, or at least you guys know what I'm talking about. <laughs> and you, Joe? Uh, the episode we did without Jimmy, I thought that was one was absolutely fantastic. <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. I knew it. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I got I got no time for part timers on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, it's, it's been an absolute pleasure. Oh yeah, thank you so much for your time, and thank you back home, or maybe you're not at home, maybe you're walking your dog or doing something else. Thank you for listening uh, to this podcast all season. It's been great, and we'll be back next year. Interact with us. Follow us on Instagram at AdamJW44 or on twitter at aj underscore on the underscore line um and and you can go on to our website look at more content i put a a blog article out uh, the other day about my thoughts on last weekend if you want any more content it's on ajontheline.com get in contact with us show your love for this podcast share it with a friend or a family member especially at this time of year where there's not that much to do uh (laughs) Listen, thank you very much, and we will see you and speak to you in 2022. And happy Christmas and a happy new year.